Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Now we're studying hindrances to faith in these Wednesday night services and I'm going to get a little, how can I say this? I'm not going to say a little deep, but I'm going to get a little meaty with you tonight. I know sometimes people, all they can handle is a little milk, but you're going to have to choke down some chunks tonight. Now let me make a statement because I'm going to... Last week we talked about being in the will of God. How the arena, the platform in which your faith operates or works best in, is in the will of God for your life. That's where faith operates. That's where it works. That's where it's efficient. That's where it's supernatural. Now, that's not saying that God doesn't bless people that are out of His will. Because I'm telling you, He's got a lot of mercy. Amen? But if you're going to live by faith, walk by faith, live a faith life, you have to do it within the confines of the will of God or it will greatly hinder your faith. Now, let me make this statement tonight, and we'll come back and, and build around it so you'll understand it. You have to have faith in your faith. But you cannot have faith in your faith. Now, let me say that again. You have to have faith in your faith. But you cannot have faith in your faith. Now, if that didn't thoroughly confuse you, well, it should. Now, let me help you with that. The problem with a lot of people when it comes to walking in faith, and I mean, I'm talking about people that do this. I mean, they, uh, they, they get into the Word. They find the answer. You know, say it was financial, so you're, you know, you're digging into all those uh, uh, prosperity scriptures that, you know, God supplies your need. Uh, you, you give, it comes back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You, you tithe, the devourers. So you're, you know, you, 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 th those scriptures, you meditate. Faith has come. You confess it. You act upon it. So you've got a need in your life. Say you've got a, a large financial need. You need $50,000, $100,000. You need to buy a house. You need a, a $20,000 uh, down payment for a house. So you need to buy a car, whatever it may be. So you've got your faith out for this amount of money. And you've done, I mean, you're, you're doing it all. You're, you're, you're continually confessing your prosperity scriptures. You're, you're claiming the money that you need. You're worshiping God and thanking Him. Uh, you know, it could be for healing. Same way for healing. You know, you believe you receive. You, all the healing scriptures, by his stripes I'm healed. The law of the spirit of life in Christ uh, makes me free from the law of death. Sin that same spirit that raised Christ from. I mean, you're standing, you're rejoicing, you're thanking God. Now, that puts you into a place in which if you're not careful, you're putting so much effort into your faith that you're so focused on what you're doing, you forget about what he's going to do. Now, what will happen is this, is for every time you confess the Word, for every time you stand on the Word, every time you lift your hands and rejoice and believe you receive, every time you run around the church or whatever you do to express your faith and thank God for what He's doing in your life, the enemy likes to produce a question or questions. How come it hadn't happened? When is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? You ever had to deal with that? I mean, it just goes all in your mind. So you end up 
kind of fighting this fight in your mind with this kind of a, a, a push and pull and tug argument with the adversary. And you know, you're like Jesus, you stand your ground, you give him those it is written, but you find yourself in this continual conflict in your mind and you start getting a little weary. Has that ever happened to anybody in here besides me? I mean, you just start getting a little weary. That's what it says over in Galatians 6. It says, don't get weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall faint. I mean, you shall reap if you faint not or if you don't give up. Now, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at this real quick, and we'll look at a couple other scriptures. I think this will really help you tonight. It says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily to beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now notice this. This is what I want you to see. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Everybody say the author and the finisher. So I like one translation that says this. It is Jesus that gives you an incentive to believe. Now let, listen to it. It is Jesus that gives you an incentive to believe. Another scripture says this. Another translation says it is Him that gives you a reason to trust. Amen? So it says He's the author. So he, began, he begins this thing with His Word. It's not like, you know, you just came up and say, well, you know, I'm just kind of like, like wishing for a, 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 you know, rubbing on a bottle and a genie coming out and giving you three wishes. It, it's not that. You got enlightened on a subject by the Word of God and you found out there is a probability in the Word to provide something for you that you cannot provide for yourself. And through God's grace and mercy and His processes, you can enter in and receive it. So you've done that. He has authored that. He is the one that gave you the incentive to do it or you would have had no incentive to do it whatsoever. You could have cared less. This wouldn't have been no more than a bunch of uh, mumbo-jumbo to you like it is for a lot of people who claim to be Christian or religious, but you start teaching on faith and they just shut the door. Well, if God wants to do anything, uh, He can just do it. But remember, this Sunday when we preached on the woman of the issue of blood, and one of the most amazing revelations of that, of that story is that she initiated that. She came to Jesus and said, I'm getting my healing when I touch the hem of His garment. Which means we as God's children can initiate some things. But in reality, if you go back to the beginning of it, it is Jesus that gives us the reason to do that. We can initiate something because He has opened the door. He is the author. He is the one that has put His signature on the title deed, so to speak. And you're in Him, so it belongs to you. But now, not only is He the author, He is the finisher. That means not only does He give you the incentive, that which He gave you the incentive to believe Him for, He's going to bring it to pass. Now let me say that again. That which He's given you an incentive to believe, a reason to trust, He will cause what He has caused you to trust Him for to come into existence. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. All you're doing is taking the Word of God, making your stand on what He said, and allowing it the power or the ability to convince you of it. Now, now we've said this before in our teaching on faith. Man's words have no ability 
to convince you of the reality of a realm that is unseen. Now let me say that again. Man's words have no ability to convince you of the reality of a, of a, of a realm that is unseen. Amen? But God's words do. God's words can convince you beyond what you see, beyond what you hear, beyond what you smell, touch, taste, or see. It does not matter. God's words can convince you beyond this present reality of another reality in which has been laid up for you the provision that you need and that by faith it's on the way to you. Amen? So He is the author. He is the one that gave you the reason to trust or believe in the first place. And he is the finisher. So the adversary knows. You know, he's in the spirit realm. So he sees blessing, healing, prosperity. He sees all kinds of things drawing closer and closer to you. Now remember this about God. He don't live in time. He is a now God. As far as he's concerned, you're healed, you're healed now. As far as you're concerned, you have the money now. As far as he's concerned, I mean, and every provision redemption supplies, it's already done. He is seated in heaven, and it's a now thing for him. So he's not looking at a watch or a calendar or anything else. And a lot of people say, well, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. No, you're not. You're not waiting on God. He is waiting on you. And the problem is you've gotten into this quagmire in your mind, and I'll show you this in a minute, and you're thinking, well, it's on its way, but it's not here, so I'm waiting on God to do something, which is the very trap the enemy wants to get you into. Well, maybe tomorrow I'll be healed. Well, maybe tomorrow the $5 million will come. Well, maybe tomorrow this will happen. Maybe tomorrow. So you're constantly in your mind and the enemy. He obliges you by continually imparting thoughts into your mind of the dimensions of the, well, how's this going to happen? Where's it going to happen? Well, when's it going to happen? Well, what's going to go on here? What's going to happen here? And you're constantly fighting that in your mind, and it doesn't give you any rest. You've not really entered into the rest. What you're doing is you're playing on the devil's playground. Where's all that taking place? Go to Romans 8 real quick. Let me show you something. Now notice this. Romans chapter 8. Now look at verse 6. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Now, now listen to this. Neither indeed can be. So what the enemy, he really doesn't care, win, lose, draw. What he wants to do is to keep you locked into a conflict in your mind. Amen? Because he knows your mind is carnal. He knows your mind is an enemy to God. That's the word at enmity. It means he's an enemy to God. And he knows that your mind is his playground. He knows that if he can keep you in the realm of your mind, he can keep you in a fight. 
But if you can ever get out of the realm of your mind and get into the realm of the Spirit, you can get out of the fight and into the victory. Amen? You say, well, well you're, talking about, are you talking about quitting doing everything I'm doing? I'm talking about making a few subtle changes. Now, here's what the enemy desires. Yeah, he, he, more words, sure, come to church more. Yeah, take more notes, yeah, listen to some more times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because with everything you get from the word, if you allow the enemy to keep you in the realm of the mind, the Bible will remain an answer book to you. And you will constantly be trying to figure out the answer by the word. But if you can pull yourself out of the realm of the mind into the realm of the spirit, the Bible is no longer an answer book to you. It is a doubt-removing book. Amen? Because if you notice, as long as you fight that little fight in the mind, there's an element of doubt. And your hope is an effort. Oh, man, I hope the check comes in the mail tomorrow. Man, man, I hope the pain stops tomorrow. I hope this next doctor's visit is the visit when it's not there. I mean, you know, you're constantly being held in the realm of hope instead of holding the devil in the realm of faith. Which would say things like this. I could care less if the check comes in the mail or not. I'm going to worship my God. I could care less if they see something on the x-ray or not. By his stripes I'm healed. I'm just going to worship my God. See, when you make a decision that you're going to take your thought life and not use it as boxing gloves for and with the devil, then you'll step out of the fight and into the victory. When you begin to declare what you have, instead of trying to get what you don't have, then all of a sudden your faith will take hold, and it's amazing how quickly your answer will manifest. Now, I've used this illustration so many times, and it bears repeating. And I've used it in so many different messages to illustrate a point. If we're to load up in the two buses out here and go down to the rowdiest bar in Galveston and pour into the bar and get in a fight with all the patrons. Just a big knockdown drag out. Now, after the fight, while the police are arresting us all, there, none of them there are going to smell like they've been at church. Neither will we. We will smell just like them. We will smell like the tobacco. We will smell like the alcohol. We will smell like the darkness and the dankness of the bar. We will literally, if by smell you had to identify who is the Christians and who are the bar patrons, you couldn't do it. They all smell the same. That's exactly why the enemy wants you in a fight. That's exactly why he wants to fight you. Now, I know it's called the fight of faith, but the true fight of faith is to do what? To enter into a rest. And as long as you're fighting, you're not resting. And that fight takes place where? It takes place in the mind as long as you're willing to stand up there toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow. The devil will put another question. It is written. And they'll say, this, but in the name of Jesus. See, you're, and you're stuck in that day after day after day. And then what happens? The time factor begins to work against you. You begin to realize Hey, man, it's been three months and I still feel the same. I might feel even worse. Hey, it's been six weeks and and not only did I not pay that bill, it's coming up again on not paying it two times. 
See how the enemy likes to create doubt? Amen? So what you've got to do, don't stop confessing the Word. Don't stop speaking it is written. But you have to take yourself to another level of worship and praise. Now let me say that again. You've got to take yourself to another level of worship and praise where you worship and thank your God for the answer, refusing to touch any question about that answer with your thought life. I ain't thinking where. No, devil, I ain't thinking where. I'm not thinking when because he will wear you out producing those types of questions and you will weary in your soul and the time element will erode your hope and hope is the anchor of the soul and exactly what your adversary wants to do is to cut that anchor. He really don't care about your faith. He knows if he has your expectancy or your hope, he's got your faith. Because the minute you quit expecting, he's got you. You're in unbelief. You're in doubt. So what he's looking to do, now what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, which is what? The way you think. So when you think about the answer you need from God, how do you think? Amen? How do you think? See, a lot of people, they, you know, they, and we've said this for years, and it bears repeating. You can't fight a thought with a thought. You've got to fight a thought with a word. David said, I will say of the Lord. Jesus said, it is written. He said, it is written. Amen. So what you've got to do, if you've got to recognize those thoughts, you could tell when a thought's coming. Come on, church. I mean, if, now if you've got a lazy mind, I mean, you know, people get such a lazy mind sometimes, but you can tell when a thought is beginning to form. Now, when that thought is beginning to form, that's when you have to form your response. Am I going to fight this thought or am I going to not even accept or entertain this thought? I'm going to worship God. Now, that does take effort. I said it does take effort. And a lot of people lose the fight right there because in their soul, what is your soul? The way you think. So all of a sudden, they're constantly thinking, well, you know, and it starts out real good and real inspired and real pumped. I'm in the fight of faith. Glory to God. The devil's defeated. I Man, I tell you, I've got this in the name of Jesus. And you know, what will happen is you'll get a little soulish push of inspiration. Amen. And that little soulish push of inspiration, well, it may carry you. It's like drinking one of those energy drinks, you know. You know, it may pop you up for a little bit, but man, when you start coming down, that's why I don't drink those things. I mean, you come down, you can feel every joint in your body. You, I mean, you're like, oh my God, why'd I ever drink that? But now, your, your soul is what? The way you think, it's the way you feel. Your emotions, and it's the choices you make. And the reason the enemy is after your hope because it is the anchor of the soul because he wants to affect and infect the way you think, the way you feel, and the choices you make. Oh, man, I don't, I've had a lot of people in my office and other places where I've talked to them that have done some really stupid things, and, they, and, their, and their excuse was, well, I felt like it was God. Wow. Amen. I felt like it was God. 
Well, there is an element to feelings when it comes to God, but I'm telling you, it's not above the Word of God. And if your mind ain't right, Luke, remember Luke? Get your mind right. Get your dirt out of my hole. Y'all don't remember Cool Hand Luke? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) He couldn't get his mind right. When you get your mind right and you put the closed signs on your information gates and tell the devil, the playground shut down, buddy. I'm not going tooth and nail with you anymore. Even though I did it from the, from the arena of victory, even though I, I did it from the you know, a standpoint of believing I receive, I'm not doing that no more, devil. Watch me. Watch me, devil. Lord, I thank you. I worship you. My mind is on you. My thoughts are on you. I mean, go read Psalms 119 about what David says about the Word, about how his thoughts were fixed on the Word, and all of those different things he said about how his mind and the Word interacted. I'm telling you, when you begin to do that, there is no encroaching of that. The devil cannot encroach into your thinking when you're worshiping God with your mind, with your soul, with your heart, and with your spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you quit confessing the Word, quit acting on the Word, quit receiving. That means you're no longer available to fight with the devil in the realm of your mind. You just worship God. Father, I thank you. I worship you. I glorify you. Now, you've got to begin. Now, go to, go to 1 Peter real quick. How's my time? I've got 10 minutes. I think I can do it. Is this helping anybody? Now, back to the statement I first made. You have to have faith in your faith. But you can't have faith in your faith. Now let me say that again. You have to have faith in your faith. What do you mean by that? You have to have faith that what you're doing is a working force. But you can't, let let me say it like this. Because we're all a part of the, what we're believing God for is a church. So we've acted in faith, we've believed, we've worshipped God, we're doing all those things. So, we go to God in prayer and say, Lord, We need this money to start this building project. Now, Lord, you know how we've been given. Now, Lord, we know you, you, you've seen how I sacrificed, man, two two years ago at Fall Harvest, we gave $100,000 to build a church in Africa. We gave, what did we give last year to Denny Nestle and to almost 50 grand to Denny and to to Christopher, Alam. Look at them. Look, every month we give we give fifteen thousand dollars to me. Every month we give all this money. Give up now, 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 Lord. Where's our money? Now, you, what you've done is you've transferred your faith from your from, from the Word of God to your own actions. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Lord, I'm not taking my medicine anymore. Lord, I threw my crutches down. Lord, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Well, honey, you better pick them back up. You better pick them back up because literally you have transferred what you're believing from word, from the Word of God to what you're doing. So you, you have to have faith in your faith, but you can't have faith in your faith. Did you get that? So 1 Peter chapter 5. This is, this is one of the simplest things, and we've taught on this before, but if you're going to weather these things, you're going to have to do this. With every problem, with every circumstance, situation, trial, tribulation, or trouble. Did you get that? There comes a pattern or a way of thinking. A whole set of thoughts. Amen? Now, verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. 
Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The word humble means to place yourself under the words, actions, or the opinions of another. One of the most harmful things to faith in your mind is opinions. Now let me just say something. Don't get mad at me. And I'm not talking about anybody in this building, but let me just say something. There are people that I have cut out of my life because every time I get around them, they have an opinion about faith that I don't like. And I'm just like, don't need that. You say, well, don't you value them? Well, I value, I value them enough to, to teach and preach the Word of God. I value, value them enough to help them and try to walk in love toward them or to walk in love toward them. But as far as con continually interacting with them, as they raise all these questions about and opinions about why this doesn't work and why that doesn't work, man, I started from day one having to weather that garbage. I mean, here I was, you know, 28 years old, come out of a life of hell, and, and got right with God. And within literally, uh, that was in March, April, I went up to, to Raymond, to Brother Hagin's, went to a prayer conference, came home and faced all kinds of opposition. Christians, not, not, not old worldly drug addicts I used to know. Christians in tongue-talking, spirit-filled churches coming up to me and saying things like, well, you, uh, you went up to hear Kenneth Hagin? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Those people... Real quickly, I cut them out of my life. I mean, I'm not that stupid. Amen? But it was continual over a period of about two or three years. This parade of people coming across. Man, that faith stuff doesn't work. I had one guy sit at my, sit at my dinner table, look across my dinner table and say, if you go in the ministry, you'll die. You'll never have a dime. He's dead. He's dead. Died prematurely at a young age. And I got more than a dime. Amen. You got to weather that. Listen, if people in your life continually tear you, I mean, they've got all these opinions and all these ideas, you've got to, you better value your faith. It could save your life and help you live your life out on this earth. And you're the only person on this planet responsible for your life of faith. And when you humble yourself, what you do is you place yourself under that which God says you have no opinion. What does the Word say? I'm really not going to try to interpret it. I'm not going to try to spin it. I'm not just, if God says by His stripes I'm healed, bless God. Let's lift our hands and thank God we're healed in Jesus' name. You say, well, what does that mean? I don't know. All it knows is by His stripes I'm healed. Amen. Now, this next verse, without the first verse, the second verse is not relevant. That's not the, that's not the numbers. It's, it's verses 9 and, uh, excuse me, 6 and 7. The first verse, verse 6, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, empowers you to do the second verse, or verse 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Now let me, oh, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to help you. The reason the enemy can continue to stimulate your thinking is you still count your problem as a care. And he sees it. So he can pop a how, a where, 
a when, a this or that, or how's this going to happen, or when's the x-ray going to come up clear, when's the money going to come in. He sees you carrying that care, and the playground is open. Amen? But when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, realizing that due season is coming into your life, amen, that he may what? Exalt you in due time. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. You humble yourself. You rid yourself of all the negative opinions of why this person didn't get it, why that person didn't get it, why this person died, why this person got it. You get rid of all of that. You take God for what he says. You worship him and thank him. You refuse to engage the enemy in the level of a care because you have now cast that care upon him. And the proof that you have cast that care is, you act like as if you have your answer. You act like it. You put a smile on your face, skipping your step. Amen? So, oh, I bet when we get money comes in, I bet pastor will run around the church. I already did it. Say, well, what are you going to do? Deposit it and call up Ed Riss Miller. And say, crank it up. Amen? I've worshipped. I've prayed. I've glorified God. I've cast my care. I have, well, what if it doesn't work? I could care less. I don't get around those people. I keep the word of God. I worship. I thank. That's why every offering, thank, let's thank God for our bills. See, a lot of people think we're just going through the motions. We're doing more than going through the motions. We're solidifying the reality that our care is cast. We have believed, we receive, and we shall have it in Jesus' name. And we're not going to engage in the hows, the whens, the wheres, the whys, the we're to force. We're just going to worship God and thank Him for it in Jesus' name. Amen? So cast your care. Everybody say, cast your care. Now sometimes, now listen to me. As you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, sometimes casting your care is a moment-by-moment -moment thing. Well, yeah, I mean, just about every other moment, you say, I cast the care, glory to God. I tell you, I'm casting this care. And then, and then it goes, you know, from moment to moment to hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, till finally that thing is cast. If you study the word cast in the Greek, it does re denote a repetitive action. You just keep casting it till it's gone, till it's done. Because you can't take a major problem. You get diagnosed with cancer. You're facing some major thing financially. You can't, well, I cast the care. You will, you, you're, you, that thing is going to beat your brains out. But there is a process of humbling yourself, worshiping God, standing upon His Word, maintaining His confession, refusing to engage the enemy in your mind, and making decision, I'm humbling myself under God's Word. I take your Word for it, Lord. I don't care what anybody else's opinion is. I take your Word. I worship you. I thank you for it. Now you can cast that care, and it's gone once and for all. You're no longer, quote, burdened. Ten minutes went by quick. Okay, let me close with this. This will help you. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, right there in that verse is everything that I was just talking about in the previous 30 minutes. You say, what do you mean? That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get your sobriety and get you under the influence of your problem. 
Because if you get under the influence of your problem and not your answer, then you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to make a mistake. Something's going to happen that's going to get you off your faith and into unbelief. Amen? Anything that you continually partake of is toxic to you. Amen? And if you continue, if all you think about is your problem, all you think about, oh, I need to make my confession today. I tell you, I've been, I'm so weary in my mind, and, and the enemy's just, all these thoughts in my mind, all this. It's exactly what happened here. He's trying to get you intoxicated with the problem. Because as you get intoxicated with the problem, you come under its influence. And it's going to do what? It's going to cut the anchor to your soul, which is your hope. You no longer expect God to do anything because you're too busy. Ugh worrying about the problem. Now notice, be sober, be vigilant. That means stay with it, stick with it, get that care cast, humble yourself, your adversary, the devil, the devil, so that's who, he's the one that's behind all of this, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Now here's the key right here, verse 9. Whom resist? Now you're empowered to resist him. Whom resist, how? Steadfast in the faith. You've humbled yourself. You've cast that care. You're worshiping God. You're not looking at the calendar, the clock. You're living in the now because now faith is. You believe you receive. Amen. You're not waiting on God to do something. He's already done it. It's what you're doing that's going to put you over. So you maintain your faith by a consistent and constant life of worship and praise and adoration. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, keeping your mind fixed upon Him, and it carries you through. You keep your sobriety, you stay vigilant, and next thing you know, what you were fully persuaded that He promised you, He performs. Romans chapter 4. Amen? Now, did you get that tonight? Did that help you? I know it's a little meaty, a little weighty, but if you'll understand that, maybe get the CD or download it off the, the, the website and listen to this several times and let it get into your spirit. You say, where did you, whose book you get that out of? I got it out of that book there and 34 years of faith of learning how this thing works. Because I'm telling you, the enemy is a, he's a rat. He's a crook. And he will, listen, he will lend an air of spirituality to your fight. Did you hear what I just said? But you don't have to fight. If he can keep you in the realm of the intellect, he will keep you defeated. But if you can keep him over in the realm of the spirit, you'll stand in your victory all the time. You won't be looking for the manifestation. I'm, Pastor, I'm just waiting for the manifestation. That's, true. that's, that's proof you're in unbelief. Aren't you just waiting for the money? No, I'm not waiting for the money. I believe I receive it. See what I'm saying? Well, that's just a matter of semantics, how you say it. Exactly right. You're exactly right. It's how you look at it, how you say it, and how you walk in it that God puts his hand of approval on or that he pulls his hand back from. And if you will make a decision, I tell you, I'm going to begin to worship God. I mean, I wake up in the morning and my head's already worshiping God. And it closes the door to the thoughts of the day. Think you get that money today? Don't even entertain the thought. 
Amen? Then what it does, it opens the door for the Spirit to show you things. Because you're not so caught up being intoxicated by what's going on in your mind. That's a whole other subject. If I get into that, we have to stay here another hour. Amen? You love the Lord? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that each and every person receiving from you this evening has the ability to make adjustments in their faith walk so that the fight the enemy is trying to drag them into, they cancel that assignment of that fight, step over into the victory, and maintain their victory. Thanking you, Lord, all along that they believe they receive it. We thank you for that, Father. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so merciful, so loving to us. We thank you for the good word that causes our hearts to be encouraged and our lives to be blessed. Lord, as we leave tonight, our faith is in you. Thank you no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Thank you that angels have charge over us. Thank you as we leave tonight, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, in the righteous labor of our hands, wherever we work or find our life's work, thank you that your protection, your safety is upon us, Lord. Thank you for the door of utterance. Let us ever be sensitive to your spirit. Let us be aware of how many hurting are around us every day so that compassionately, by your word and power, we can be an answer to their prayers, problem to the adversary, a miracle in their life. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Heavenly Father. We leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. And we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.